everybody and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Sincerest apologies for our delay coming live on YouTube. Um, very much technical issues on my end. Um, so I take full responsibility for our 15 minutes um, delay. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, you won't have noticed at all anyway. So welcome if you're watching uh, live this evening and if you're listening to the podcast subsequently as well. Tuning in with Mark and Peter, as ever, gents, how are we doing this evening? Yeah, not bad at all. Just just got back from Oktoberfest yesterday, so feeling it a little bit. It's been a pretty tough day to get through today, but yeah, really happy. Another brilliant weekend of uh, Bundesliga football, so what more can you want? Yeah, doing well myself. I uh, took a quick jet across the pond during the international break, uh, had to, some things to take care of stateside, but... Shook off the jet lag just in time to catch a fabulous Friday night fixture and German football is back. So looking forward to talking about it as always with you, gentlemen. Absolutely. Yeah. The international break feels like a long time ago, uh, ago now, thankfully as well. It's in, it's in the past and we've had, yeah, um, well, nine excellent games of Bundesliga football to enjoy this weekend. Uh, we'll be... Tuning into the featured four as per usual, going through the best of the rest and finishing off with a bit of uh, kiosk club with uh, with Peter. Um, so yeah, sit back and enjoy as we review the weekend's action. Uh, picking four games from from all nine this weekend again has been uh, so taxing. Literally, um, all nine could have made an appearance. Maybe you know the one one draw in Frankfurt, not so much, but. Um, Either way around, excellent games. Bundesliga producing as the world's most entertaining league, as per usual. I think this only competition is the site of Bundesliga. Um, so, <laughs> generally speaking, for, for drama. Uh, so, we're going to start off our countdown uh, with our fourth place game. Uh, so, Mark, if you want to bring that up on the screen and we'll uh, yeah we'll get kick-started with what was a, a very, um, well, topsy-turvy match uh, in Freiburg. Uh, in which Dortmund uh, were able to take the lead through a, a powerful Mats Hummels header. Um, and just as you think they're, they're heading into half-time with a, with a good lead, Mark, um, well, and we didn't see that coming. I know we, you were busy with Oktoberfest, but I think they were the few messages that we exchanged over the weekend. Uh, Dortmund not getting themselves into uh, the break uh, at 2-1, and we were kind of already uh, damning them to, to defeat. Uh, you know, a couple of, well, important uh, headers to, to get Freiburg then uh, up to one and a half time. Uh, Shenzo Grifo being subbed into the match due to injury for Gregorozic uh, ended up being the, the, as per usual, the assist provider uh, for Freiburg to get them uh, back into the game. Maybe undeservedly, uh, it's hard to really say what, what Freiburg are really producing right now. Um, but then second half, Mark, you know, I guess we're saying that this match was maybe decided, uh, or at least a large proportion of it was decided on a, well, on a red card that was upgraded from a yellow card. And uh, we think rightfully so in the end. Yeah, I think it was a funny match, this one, to be honest. It really was a funny match. Uh, quite a few of the goals were quite scrappy. You know, some of the defending from Freiburg has been quite worrying recently, to be honest. I think I mentioned to you before kickoff, before that we went on air today, uh, Rory, 
that it's not typical for Freiburg, especially at the Europa Park Stadion, to give goals away so cheaply mm. like that. Especially the the two Hummels goals actually were very, very cheap ones. Yeah, I think that the goal that eventually won it was like it was just a long ball into the box, and it was Schlotterbeck kind of got himself in between, and then somehow it wasn't cleared, and basically uh, Hummels just you know. He did well, actually, to get his foot on the ball, but I'm pretty sure that Freiburg would be disappointed to lose the game, in truth. I think, yeah, the red card was big, but it was definitely a correct decision from Herfler. Yeah, I think, actually, this was a really good weekend for refereeing decisions, in my opinion, overall. I thought, you know, last week we criticised a few refereeing decisions, but this weekend I felt as though this was a very good decision and good VAR work as well, because it was clearly should have been upgraded to the red card that Herfler got. Whether that was too influential in the result, I wouldn't say so because, I mean, it was already 80 minutes or so on the clock by the time that happened, 82 minutes to be precise. So, you know, there wasn't long for, for Freiburg to hold out. But, yeah, I just felt as though the, it was a really weak goal to concede from them, that third goal. For, for Dortmund, they'll be happy to get over the line. I didn't feel as though they played amazingly well. I think there were a few players that deserved credit. Hummels, of course, you know, I think this is the 16th season in a row that he's scored. Incredible numbers. Like he's just a machine with the head, isn't he? And he, he just always manages to get, you know, four or five goals a season, regardless of who he's playing for. Again, credit to that man, Daniel Marlon, as well. He's got a really good individual goal for the two-all. If he didn't get that, I mean, at that point, Freiburg were in the ascendancy as well. They were looking the better side at that point. They missed a few chances at two-all as well. Mm. I just feel as though this was a kind of game that could have gone either way, in my opinion. There were mistakes from both sides, quality play from both sides too. The hurler goal was a really nice header as well from the Grifo free kick, the equaliser. And, uh, you know, it was a really exciting match. As I was, as I would say, I think Marlon deserves a lot of credit for what he's serving up on the pitch at the moment. You know, if it, the back end of last season, he was superb. And he started this season really, really well too. And I did enjoy his goal. I just think it's great to see a player that, you know, had so many hard times in a in a, a Dortmund shirt. And he's really, really kind of come good now. I think overall it's about... 10 goals in 15 games overall from the beginning of this season and the end of last season. It's just great statistics for him, the wide forward. And yeah, I mean, obviously Dortmund got over the line. They're on eight points from four games. I don't think they've really played amazingly well this season so far, but at the end of the day, they're only two points off the top of the league now as a result of other we uh, results this weekend. And it's far from the kind of, uh, you know, crisis that some people are saying. For me, it's far from a crisis. It, they just need to get like, you know, I think Sabitzer for me was a little bit better in this game. Actually, he had some good moments to probably still needs to up at a level if he wants to get anywhere near what they need uh, in that yeah. midfield. But I would say it was a case of getting over the line for Dortmund in this game. And, you know, eight points from four games is not a terrible return at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I, I get what you mean about the, the crisis thing, I think. We, you know, saying we or the press uh, and pundits that be are very quick to put pressure on on people. But I mean, Dortmund haven't started impressively. Uh, you know that that's far from the case. But as you say, Mark, very correctly, that you know they're not far out of it at all. Um, I think this weekend was certainly a really big big moment for them. Two one down at half time. Then you're looking at yeah a very poor return from four matches, aren't you? But the turnaround is is definitely really important. Um, one player that obviously Mark's given credit to Peter is Daniel Marlon, but another player from a dormant perspective that's coming for a little bit of stick so far this season is is Adi Amy. 
quite a lot of people have been voicing their concerns with his performances so far. And did you pick anything out from from Adi Amy or, or players from a Dortmund perspective that maybe haven't uh, shone so far and, and in this game despite the win? Uh, I think it's important that, uh, and we indeed noted this on last week's pod or the week before last's pod, that uh, this talk of a Dortmund crisis is is very much overblown. I mean, this is obviously a team that has to adjust to Jude Bellingham's absence, uh, and Tazic has a system to get together. Uh, in terms of Adeyemi, I liked what he was trying um, in terms of his flank rotations. I think he was trying left, right, on the on the half left and on the half right. He was really trying to hit every all four attacking lanes on various Dortmund charges. Uh, he ended up not having such uh, a successful game. And uh, that was one of the reasons uh, why he was pulled, though he did do better uh, in the second half. On a tactical level, this match was so subjectively ridiculous. I mean, I watched it uh, on an overhead, um, and then I was reading a lot of different press reviews about what people thought the, the basic formation and constellation was. And then, of course, I picked up all the papers this morning, and everybody is in disagreement uh, as to what kind of system Terzic is actually running at this point. Some people say it's a 3-5-2. Some people say it's a 4-2-3-1 split stagger. Um, this is all because Khan is is uh, a flexible player. The newly anointed captain is a flexible player. He's uh, drifting back at times. Uh, he's other times trying to work a synchronization thing with Sabitzer. And he hasn't really played all that great of a match since he's gotten uh, the captain's armband, um, although I'm sure that he'll recover at some point. I think the most interesting facet of this match on a tactical level was the fact that everybody seems to be in agreement that there was a 4-4-2 reformat late. And Nicolas Fulkrug played alongside Daniel Malen, Malen being the second striker in the 4-4-2. And I think this is a fabulous idea. Um, I think that with all due credit to Sebastian Halea, um, I think that uh, he's gotten off to a rather poor start this campaign. They have Food Krug while he's healthy, and Malin can work as a regular striker. Um, I think that'd be a fantastic idea um, with Brandt and Adiemi, perhaps Gio Reyna when he gets healthy, replacing Adiemi. Of course, Gio is a that's a whole different can of worms. We don't necessarily need to open. Uh, but a two striker set with uh, with Malin and and Food Krug may help Dortmund to some success uh, in, in future fixtures. Still a very, very good team. Uh, and thank you for bringing up uh, Mats Hummel's record, the uh, uh, the 16th consecutive seasons now that he's scored a Bundesliga goal. He's in very, very good company with that. Uh, Marco Reus, another German footballing legend, came off the bench to score uh, in this one. And I, I don't... I wouldn't say that there's anybody on Dortmund who has gotten off to a particularly poor start uh, besides Halea, who hasn't gotten the production numbers yet, and Ben Sibaini, who seems to be uh, a little bit quiet. Mm. Uh, but I have faith in, in in most of the rest of the squad. I think that they'll, and, and particularly in Emre Khan and Marcel Sabitzer, I think that they're really going to get their midfield uh, movements coordinated well in the future. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, let's just touch on Freiburg as well before we move on. Um, not not to grill them or to lambast them, but clearly from a defensive point of view, Mark, you, you know, you picked it out last season. They were, you know, a, a 
well, they've been known for being a good defensive unit for the last few seasons and, and something seems to be amiss right now. Um, it, do we just put it down to early season rustiness, just not not quite hitting their straps? Um, perhaps a bit more pressure um, maybe up top because of the fact that I think one thing that we alluded to at the start of the season was do they have that goal scorer who's going to get them loads of goals? And naturally, they signed um, Junior Adumu, who's not really featured so far. Uh, well, mainly due to injury, I believe, but he was on the bench at the weekend. And, and hopefully, he can settle in and uh, and start to you know populate the goal scorer sheet a little bit. But uh, Mark, I'll throw this to you. Any real concern for Freiburg? Or are we just saying that their you know their levels might drop off a little bit this season, and we're maybe just realistically going to see them in around the 8th to 10th bracket rather than that 4th, 5th, 6th sort of bracket this season? Yeah, I think we've got to be realistic uh, surrounding Freiburg. At the end of the day, they've had two of their best seasons in their history. That, that's the level we're talking about under Christian Schreit the last two seasons. You know, DFB Pokal final, DFB Pokal semi-final, fifth and sixth place finishes. It, the numbers are just ridiculous, really. And Freiburg, in a way, they don't really have a right to be finishing that highly. You know, there's a lot of clubs with much bigger budgets, much more fashionable clubs than them in the Bundesliga. And we can't expect them every single year to be, you know, top five, top six. And I think, in my opinion, that the squad does look a little bit weaker this year. Probably the loss of Flecken was big as well. I think me and Peter discussed it on our trip to Kaiserslautern. I think obviously him going to Brentford and then rookie goalkeeper Atabolo. You know, I think he will be a good goalkeeper, but in my opinion, it takes a goalkeeper two or three seasons to learn the trade at the highest level. And I think that he's not been absolutely terrible so far, but you can clearly see the numbers of goals that they've been conceding has gone through the roof compared to the last two or three seasons before. So I think, you know, he's only made a couple of errors in that time. But, you know, you've got to remember a goalkeeper's job is also to co command the defence, to kind of be a leader at the back. And he's not really got those skills yet, in my opinion. And that could have been one of the problems. I think the other problem is a, a lack of form. The likes of Ginter hasn't really kicked on this season so far. He was amazing last season. And for me, he's not been that good so far. He's the leader at the back. You know, they, they've kind of chopped and changed between a back three and a back four. You know, Sildelia played a few games. He didn't really do it. He was on the bench for this match. I just think it's a case of, first of all, Atabulo has got to get used to his position a bit more. And it, he might end up having quite a poor season this year. I think it's possible because, you know, he's learning the trade and we can't really blame him too much for that. But I think it is highly possible that um, Freiburg will drop down towards, you know, 10th, 11th potentially. But I don't see them dropping any further down than that this season no. for me. No, very true. I'll, I'll say two things uh, as quickly as I can. Um, Atabolo is having a little bit of trouble organizing his lads uh, on, on set piece plays. And mm -hmm. as all footballers know, I mean, I, I know, I look to the keeper to, to help guide me yeah, and help uh, you know when I'm setting up in the wall and things like this I need him uh, they took a huge risk going with a rookie keeper and of course we're all rooting for him uh, I also wanted to mention Christian Streich's uh, post-match press conference which I was covering and found somewhat disturbing I don't really think I've ever seen Christian Streich I mean he said this is going to be a hard season they have a very very hard uh, league schedule coming up uh, they have Bayern, they have Eintracht, they have uh, Leverkusen and all of this stuff in the next month. And then, of course, they've got the Europa League schedule. It's a tough group. It's very demanding. Yeah. Streich uh, 
you know, I, I've never seen him so pessimistic, so tired, so exhausted looking. He seemed to be effectively conceding that his club uh, was going to regress this season. And for the first time, and I can recall, I didn't see any enthusiasm for him. It almost seemed to him like he felt like he had really reached the peak of what he can accomplish uh, with this club. Yeah. Of course, where does he go now? I mean, you know, this is that that's that's his club. That's his heart. Uh, had they released Hansi Flick in the summer, he would have made an ex- an excellent Bundes trainer. But it, it's 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 not uh, it's not the time for that, of course. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Streich seems to be he's conceding it. I mean, they miss Christian Gunter, who's out injured. That that doesn't help the defensive line. Cedillo has been out of form. Uh, Ginter's been out of form since he's been dropped for the national side. Philip Leinhardt, as far as I can tell, is trying to play left-footed. I I don't know what he's doing. He's he's doing something really weird. But he's he's been his his marking was directly responsible for a couple of the goals there. So mm-hmm. you got problems all up and through there. Uh, but we love this club, so we're hoping we that do. through. We and do. we love Atobolo. I mean, of course we're rooting for the kid. Of course we yeah. want him. To well, play. there's always Flo Muller. <laughs> no, yeah, um, yeah. Interesting thoughts on Freiburg. Have they hit their Everest? Um, yeah, I think we will see regression from them this season. But naturally, like you said, Mark, you know the the seasons and performances that they've put in for us to enjoy have been spectacular, and I'm sure they'll come good uh, again. Right then, let's move on. Third place um, on our list, uh, Mark. If you can do the honors, so I can remember which order I put these in. Um, lovely, yeah. Darmstadt three, Borussia Mönchengladbach three. Um, bonkers game, really. Uh, on Sunday afternoon for everyone to enjoy the goal fest that was Sunday. Uh, if you got to sit back and enjoy both games, you were thoroughly treated to brilliant matches in in their own rights. Um, and well, Peter, you know, Darmstadt caught Gladbach cold. I think it's fair to say uh, early on, getting out into the lead. Uh, Malem getting through on goal and, you know, doing what he did uh, previously to get uh, another goal, um, you know, impressively finished and making it 1-0. Uh, Maglika getting on the end of a good header, really powerful and assertive. Uh, again, just snoozing effectively from from Gladbach, really not out of the races. And, and the third goal, of course, came. Um, but as we all know with football and we've all... Uh, seen so far from Darmstadt, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter how quickly you get ahead. It's about seeing it out for a full 90 minutes. Um, and unfortunately, we will have to refer to again, a red card definitely impacting the outcome of this result, I think it's fair to say. Um, and, you know, Gladbach, still didn't do themselves any favours by missing the penalty. Uh, Siobhan Sharda missing, uh, you know, great save, well, good save from uh, Shuen in uh, in net. Uh, but then eventually they got themselves going and you kind of felt, as soon as they got that first one, felt like the ball was just being sucked into the Darmstadt net. And uh, what was basically an onslaught of, crosses I felt particularly in the second half Peter um numerous chances of, of which you know Neuhaus was able to pounce and, and get the second goal then there's a huge slice of luck for 
Chivan Chada uh, in terms of the setup of his goal. He tries to flick it uh, between his legs and gets a very fortunate one-two with um, it might have been was it Fabian Holland um, who it, who it came off. Falls perfectly in the strike afterwards. You have to give the man credit. It's a hell of a hit to make it 3-3. And then everyone's on tender hooks. Uh, I mean, it could have been 4-5 free to club back uh, by the end of it. It really was kind of, um, yeah, squeaky bum time for Darmstadt. But they get themselves an important point. It's not yet that big W though, Peter. What did you make of this pretty... uh, crazy affair oh good god well i i hope everybody uh <clears throat> the highlights are very much worth your time if you if you have time for nothing else i felt uh, incredibly sorry for the minute by minute writers here because there were so many scoring chances i think darmstadt could have been up five or six nil uh before the half and um i mean my favorite moment of the match which you already mentioned yes what a cheeky little back heel from van Kara, who um <clears throat> missed the penalty. It was a soft penalty, you know. He yeah. came on there, so he he, but he he gets it back, and that was, in your own words, I couldn't describe it any better. One hell of a hit. Uh, this was another match in which all of the press sources that I was reading were in total disagreement about what Gladbach's second half tactics were. Uh, to me, it looked like a four-three-three with Kankara sort of operating as a false nine. The newly acquired American striker Jordan. Uh, on the left there, and uh, and then Frank Ronnerat is the, the right part of the attacking trident. Um, surprisingly enough, I think the the Gladbach midfield worked very well with uh, Rocco Reitz and uh, and Florian Neuhaus, a couple mm-hmm. of young Germans, and Julian Weigel was there too. He played a much much stronger second half. So this little German midfield access, three guys that would be eager to get on the German national team. Not that that's particularly difficult at this point. But uh, they uh, <laughs> that that could really show us something uh, in the weeks to come. Uh, you know, when it comes to Darmstadt, what can you say? I mean, that was uh, Melhem. That was a really brilliant technical finish uh, that he had there uh, on the first goal. Um, I think that uh, Maglika's emphatic finish there and uh, off of Kemper's cross was was also very strong. I mean, they <laughs> you really. I mean, they. They, uh, Skarka, the the new acquisition, uh, uh, who's actually returning, just like Luca Pfeiffer, your boy, uh, to Darmstadt. I mean, he he uh, hit the post, I think, shortly before yeah. he uh, he finished up the the three nil there. So you really thought that they they deserved uh, this win, but um, they just fell apart defensively. I think the player, since since Mark, I'll I'll turn it over to Mark with a with a Zweite Bundesliga question here because he's he's obviously a, a little bit more in tune with the Zweite Bundesliga. When did Klaus Giasula stop wearing the helmet? Uh, he's <laughs> I saw Klaus Giasula uh, running that back line, and I was yeah I remember him from his Padawan days in the in the top flight. When did he stop wearing the helmet? Or am I think? Or, or have I got the the players mixed up? No, I'm pretty sure he was. I saw them live last year, Darmstadt, and I'm pretty sure he was wearing the helmet then as well. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know whether something's cleared up. I think he got a pretty serious injury a few years ago, yeah. didn't he? And I think, uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. I would imagine it's only this season because he was definitely still wearing it last season, as far as I know. But yeah, I mean, I think it was such a strange match. And to be honest, Darmstadt really showed a lot of quality in that first half. I've got to say, I think Malem looks like a player that we might be talking about quite a bit this season. As you say, a really, really well-taken finish that. 
like the, the assist was such a high ball. It was like literally coming out of the sky, that one. And he took a beautiful touch just enough ahead of him just so he could finish past the deputising Nicolas in the Gladbach net. But uh, to be honest, for me, the, the deciding moment in this game, if if um, Gladbach could have scored that chance to make it 3-1, I think Darmstadt would have won the game, ironically, because that would have meant that the red card wouldn't have stood. It would have been 3-1. And then basically, I think that Darmstadt will probably have hung on and won the game. But mm. I just think they fell apart at the 3-1, basically, for me. I just think they completely fell apart. And in the end, it's probably a good point for them. But from a Gladbach perspective, I mean, why was Kvanchara not starting from the off there? That, that, that surprised mm-hmm. me a little bit. Was there an injury or something there as well? Or? It was. I was I was livid at that because... Um... I, I had no idea why he was going with Jordan uh, in a four-two-three-one in the start, but I, I read today that there was an injury. Yeah, uh, injury. That makes more sense, and because yeah. I actually think Fanchara, from what I've seen, he's a little bit raw. To be yeah. honest, you know, and he, he's not always perfect, but he's definitely a player in there. You know, he can definitely hit a football really well, can't he? As we saw with the three-all, we also saw that uh, Augsburg a couple of weeks ago, and he scored a really good goal there as well. But I just think for, for Gladbach and Cioani, it's just about kind of getting a squad, a roster, that you know, an 11 out of this roster that can play for each other. Because they're doing good things in moments, but they don't look good enough to win games at the moment. They're like they're playing 45 minutes well and then just falling away. Either they're playing a bad first half and then a good second half. But I think, um, obviously, I tip them to struggle. Like I was pretty convinced that they'd struggle this season and... At the moment, I'm still more on the air that they won't win that many games of football if they carry on the way they're going. Because, as you say, I think there's a decent squad of players there, but there's just it's just a strange-looking squad for me. There seems to be maybe a bit of a lack of balance in there. You know, it's just who are they going to go for the number nine? Are they going to stick Jordan alongside Kvanchara when Kvanchara's fit? Maybe that'd like lead to a lack of balance because neither of them are the kind of players that are going to track back and do any defensive work. So, I mean, I think a lot of, in my opinion, Weigel is kind of the key player in this squad. You know, he's meant to be the balance in the squad, and I need to see him playing better on a consistent basis because, as as Peter said, he played well in the second half, but in the first half, he just went AWOL basically. So, they need him to be playing well. You know, player, I'm starting to think he's probably done in the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I mean, he's not been good for a long time, really, now in a Gladbach shirt. And he looked pretty woeful in that first half and just a little bit beleaguered, in truth. So, I mean, I'm not sure how much we're going to see of him for the rest of the season. You know, the likes of Ngunu and Honorat are very inconsistent as well. So, uh, you know, I think the season could go one or two ways for Gladbach, really. Yeah. They could still go on to be a top-half side. There's enough quality in that squad for them to do it, but... At the same time, they could be like lower mid-table again like last season. So it's a little bit difficult to tell where it's going to go. As for Darmstadt, point on the board. They're off the bottom as well. Mainz are now uh, propping up the table ahead of week five next week. And, you know, that made me think that they're a side that could potentially win a few games in the Bundesliga. After the first three matches, I was worried they were going to get any wins on the board, to be honest. But that made me think, you know, they should have won that game. Just a lack of know-how, a lack of uh, kind of... You know, mentality, maybe a bit of belief led to them drawing, but it's still a point on the board against the side that were expected to beat them. So it's not a bad it's, day in the end for them. Yeah, it's a good point. Well, I'm slightly concerned about certain scars being open for the entire season with this going into a lead and not being able to see it out. Um, obviously, we're, we're four games in, so it's quite hard to say this is a trend or a pattern just yet. Um, 
but you know that belief is what gets you over the line ultimately and that know-how Darmstadt don't have the Bundesliga know-how at this level right now so it's a harsh lesson that they've learned already a few times um, and Gladbach as you say will continue to entertain what well, we've had a 4-4 and a 4 and a 3-3 from them already uh, they did their standard effort against Bayern um, like you say it's a bit of a mishmash of players right now but there is raw talent in there, like you say, um, with Chivan Chara. Um, Gumu can definitely do stuff going forwards. Um, so, and Honorat does look like a player. So I think they'll score goals. But equally, we saw in that first half that they can certainly sleep on the job and concede a fair few as well. Um, the enigma that is Gladbach this season. We'll, we'll enjoy watching them this season, though, that is for sure. Uh, moving on to the second game of our featured four, Heidenheim History Boys. 4-2 against Werder. Their first ever Bundesliga win uh, was met with great celebrations at, at the end of the game. It was really lovely to see uh, on my TV screen the celebrations. You know, absolutely fantastic. Um, they were made, well, they were made to work for it in a sense that the game went to 2-2, two, two chaps. Um, I'll come to you, uh, Peter, first on this one. Um, looked like they were heading for victory after going 2-0 up. Obviously, the uh, the penalty that came from Kleintienst um, and then, obviously, Dinchy getting the first of two goals against his employers, uh, really kind of rubbing in um, yeah, the salt into the wound there. But then, um, yeah, half-time, quick break, the penalty gets them back into the game. Dush just about, well, he didn't convert it, did he? He hit it um, at the goalkeeper. And to be fair, he's composed enough to take his time with the header rather than charging at it. He does take his time to put it in the back of the net relatively well. Um, and then one of the few bright sparks for Verder was Mitchell Weiser. He got himself a, a nice goal, a really well-headed goal. And you're probably thinking at that point, Peter, despite the fact that Werder hadn't really played in the match, that maybe the, the momentum and their experience would maybe take them over the line to, to push for their third goal and ultimately the winner. But Heidenheim composed themselves and, and got themselves straight back into the lead and, and then saw the game out with the fantastic fourth. And, um, yeah, just amazing from the new boys. I thought it was a fantastically played match in the end. Yeah, um, it was an interesting Sunday. It was a, a Sunday in which I thought that we were back in round one for a second there. We had a, a, a high-scoring draw involving Gladbach. And then in Heidenheim, uh, well, actually, that was round two that they blew the lead uh, they were 2-0 up against Hoffenheim. Oh, yeah. I think that went into the, the 88th minute and they blew it. So I, I, th I was thinking, deja vu, they're going to do it again. <laughs> but they kept their composure. Uh, they kept their calm. And they were able to uh, get that historic win. That was also, of course, Frank Schmidt uh, passes the former Freiburg manager, Volker Finke, uh, as the man uh, in charge of a, uh, a club uh, for the longest time with that, uh, with that fixture. It was uh, an excellent match. It was a fun match. Uh, congratulations to uh, Eren Dinci. Uh, he has uh, gone ahead and, and doubled his uh, you know, total of Bundesliga goals in a single afternoon. I remember watching him a few years back when he was playing for Florian Kofeld's Werder Bremen. 
Uh, and uh, well, nobody who played for Florian Kofeld's Werder Bremen uh, were were any good. But uh, kudos to the young man. <laughs> he's uh, he's really yeah, this could be something special for him. Uh, Jan Nicholas Besta, who was also a former Bre uh, Bremen player, uh, had an excellent match, uh, scoring a goal and uh, uh, <clears throat> providing the assist on uh, Dinchi's second. Uh, that was an excellent assist. Uh, he is a player that. Um, I think a lot of Germans are becoming enamored with. I know that Runa likes him. I don't know why exactly. Uh, maybe it's that Nordic facial hair thing. He kind of looks like, uh, you know, he's, yeah, he's a he's a lumberjack and he's okay. Um, <laughs> is what he is. Um, <clears throat> but it was, yeah. Uh, kudos to to Heidenheim uh, uh, for shaking it off and and for coming back. Um, they were uh, tactically well set up once again, uh, this time in a 4-4-2 with uh, Toyakov uh, pairing alongside Maloney. And, uh, well, with Bremen, um, Duk had a slight injury. I think Rafael Santos Bore was jet-lagged. Um, so we still have not seen the best of Bremen. I found Mark's tip uh, that Heidenheim were going to win. I, was, I, I disagreed with that. I thought that Bremen would, uh, would take it. Um, but um, I think, as I said in the last pod, that um, once we get Bore into the starting eleven, once we get Deman in place of Jung, I think that uh, that Bremen will be able to turn things uh, around. And I mean, we need to mention, of course, that Mitchell Weiser never gave up; uh, had a fantastic match, uh, uh, scored a goal himself. Uh, I really hope they sign him to a contract extension, and uh, I hope he plays for Algeria as well. I'd like to see that; that'd, that'd be really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, well, Mark was the man who tipped it on the prediction show, so Mark can tell us, uh, uh, you know, why he thought that way and how the prediction came true. Yeah, I'm just really liking how Heidenheim, to be honest with you. I just think the way they played this season has been really good, aside from that first opening defeat against Wolfsburg, where they were a little bit flat. I think the three performances since then have been top draw in, in, from an attacking perspective, and I think there's so much to look forward to from that side. I think. I'm with Runer as well at Bester. I'm a massive fan, really. He's all, I'm already sold on him. Yeah, I just think he looks really good. Like, he just looks like a quality player that could... You know, obviously, he got ridiculous stats in this fight to Bundesliga last year. I think he got, like, 12 goals and 14 assists, which is just ridiculous numbers, really. And, like, he's already showed that he can make the step up for me. I think he's looked good in every match apart from that opening fixture. You know, he was very good against Hoffenheim despite missing that penalty in that game. He ended up getting the goal of the week that week too from that brilliant free kick. And he was superb again today uh, in this match, you know, with a great assist for the first uh, for the third goal, which was massive, by the way, because at that point, if Heidenheim didn't get the Im immediate reply, I think Werder probably would have gone on to win the game. But, but they didn't let them settle to that two all. They got a really good third goal. And then won comfortably in the end, really, and deservedly, in my opinion. Dingchi, you know, he seems to be really enjoying himself as well. He really does. He, he made a great post-match interview saying that he's really enjoying playing for the club. And they look a side that are good enough to stay up to me. I really do think so. You know, we mentioned before that there are a few quite weak-looking teams in that bottom four or five this season. I don't think Hoffenheim or uh, Heidenheim are one of them. 
yeah, I just think they look a decent side. Obviously, the, the game management needs to improve, similar to Darmstadt. You know, you can't keep blowing 2-0 leads because eventually teams are going to punish you. But I think that that will come and eventually they'll, they might even go on to be, you know, 13th, 14th kind of place this season. I think, obviously, defensively, there are a few worries. You know, Muller, despite the good penalty save, he doesn't seem to make that many saves in general, to be honest. Um, I think Meinke, the captain and the centre-half, you know, he was one of the best defenders in the Spider League last year. He's yet to really make the step up, I would say. He's made a few, he looks a little bit slow at the back and teams can get in behind him quite well. As for Werder, I, that was my analysis too. I was going to say similar to what uh, Peter said. I, I just don't think it was Werder's strongest eleven on the pitch in this game. Obviously, he went for two strikers, Komnatsky and uh, Volta Marder. And I, I didn't think either of them looked particularly good, to be honest. I'm not sure that either of them are really Bundesliga standard. I think when they get, um, you know, as, as Peter mentioned, when they get Dutch alongside Bore, I think we could have a decent uh, strike force. And I, I agree, Demand as well. I think Peter's been talking him up quite a bit. He got a beautiful assist off the bench as well for, for the 2 all. He's mm-hmm. going to be a good player. I think, you know, once to get bitten caught like back on form too, he's going to be a, an asset too. I, I just don't think it was a great start in 11 from the away side in this game, which probably didn't help them. It was, you know, probably four or five players from the very strongest they can be. But yeah, I think that early season, I was a bit worried about them, but I, I think there's enough goals and enough quality in that side for a kind of lower mid-table finish for them. I don't think they'll get relegated this season, but, you know, this was a treat. It was a Sunday afternoon treat, really enjoyable game, and two teams that are definitely going to score goals this season, but the big question for them is, can they keep them out of the other end? Yeah, very much so. Um, we'll move on, because uh, time is oppressing, and we'll move on to our first uh, game of the weekend, um, just because I think we we all know where the headlines um, mostly are sitting. Uh, obviously, with this game, certainly on Friday night, they were uh, buy-in to Leverkusen to Leverkusen. Late penalty prevents the buy-in party as Leon Goretzka thought that he had started the party late on uh, after a fantastic uh, assist uh, by Matty's Tell, super sub Matty's Tell, really showing his uh, his influence and importance already in this buy inside the young young man um you know really good in the 1v1 situations taking on players and um obviously had set up Goretzka what looked like a 2-1 victory um kind of playing this in reverse order but it's kind of where all the all the drama came i suppose and uh the penalty that came for uh Leverkusen um Quick round the tables, chaps. Do we think it's a penalty, yes or no? I'm going with yes. I think he was clumsy. Yeah, I would say soft, but yes, I would say. But I think Labour could definitely deserve the point from the game, but that's beside the point, I guess. Uh, the, yeah, I would say soft. Um, uh, it's Yeah, you can whistle it, but it was soft. The same thing happened on Saturday night with Frankfurt Bochum too. That was the, yeah. the, big, the big talking point. But I'll, I'll yeah. side with the refs on, on both in both cases and say, Okay, it's good enough. Yeah, yeah, you'd be disappointed if it was your team, but I, yeah, it is is one of those. Um, obviously, Hoffman was very clear to draw attention to the fact that he had been felled, wasn't he? So yeah, it was it was VAR and stuck away very compo- in good um, good composure by Palacios. Um, but I think you know, uh, obviously, one one for a great proportion of the game, chaps. Uh, Bayern being 
Um, put ahead early doors by Harry Kane, uh, just lurking where he knows to lurk at the back post from the corner. Nicely headed in for 1-0. And then we were treated, weren't we, to what was a absolute worldie of a free kick from Grimaldo, um, looking like a serious addition to Leverkusen's ranks. I mean, put it where you want with a, you know, with a pen or a pencil and, you know, just scribble it down. It's pretty much where the ball ended up, you know, a delightful strike uh, to make it 1-1. Um, I think, we'll, you know, we'll come to Bayern in a minute because, you know, what we've seen from them so far this season is um, enough to have got them over the line in, in most of their games or in all of their games, apart from um, on Friday. But I have to say, well, I have to say for both teams, the general quality of play was so so high. Um, Lever- some of Leverkusen's passing football to get out of the press, whatever it might have been. The, the one thing I ironically that let Leverkusen down for me was their chance taken, their their shot conversion. Boniface was, you know, so strong, so physical, so quick, getting shots and efforts off. Um, great to watch. If he had had his shooting boots on. Leverkusen could have had another two, three goals onto that. Uh, obviously, we have to give credit to the goalkeepers as well. Um, you know, I, I have been one to voice my concerns about Leverkusen's goalkeeping situation in Radetzky. He had a really good game. Some serious, serious saves. That one from Harry Kane in the second mm. half was unreal. Um, so, you know, credit credit to both keepers. Made some really big um, interceptions at, at big times. And I don't suppose there's any need to overanalyze this, Mark, but just the fact to say that it was very enjoyable and it was two top teams going at it. Yeah, I'm not sure you'll find a better game than this all weekend in Europe, to be honest. I thought it was a real high-quality game, from especially from Leverkusen, in my opinion, but also Bayern deserve credit, too, for certain things that they did in the game. But I actually watched it with my dad, who was over here in Germany, and he was amazingly impressed with Leverkusen, too. He said, wow, they look a serious team. Like My dad doesn't really watch that much international football, but uh, he was really, really impressed with them. He said they looked... And as Rory said, like the way they played out of the press and just the quality of skill and speed and just everything in that team it just looks an amazing team that there's not one even average player in there really i mean the one you probably say is is maybe andrich obviously who was taken off at half time for the brilliant palacios obviously palacios probably jet lag was the reason why he didn't start the game which we talked about a little bit before the fact this match was on a friday evening as well when it probably should have been on the saturday or sunday but that's beside the point i, I just think that you know, both sides deserve a lot of credit, but Leverkusen, they really do look like title winners, you know, to me. I, I, to be honest, when Hoffman first joined, I wondered whether he could fit into the side, but I just think he's been brilliant, really. I've, I've always loved Jonas Hoffman. I've always been a big fan of him, but I, I thought he was a one-club man, to be honest. I thought, you know, he fitted in so well to that Gladbach team, but he was amazing in the game, too. I mean, Verts is just what a, we already know he's an amazing player, but as you say, Bonifast didn't have his shooting boots on, but he just looks like the all-round uh, striker to me, like the pace, the power the quality, like he didn't even have really a good game in this match, but he was still good, really, you know mm. what I mean? Like what he gives to that team, he brings other players in. Like Xhaka, I mean, can you say any more about Granit Xhaka? Like amazing signing for them, the balance, the axis in that midfield, especially when Palacios plays for me. Um, you know, you can see there's a clear difference when Andrich went off and that midfield was really firing in the second half. And I, I just think it, this is a title-winning potential team, you know, and 
the, the squad isn't that deep, I wouldn't say, although it is relatively deep. Um, I'm interested to see Teller come on as well, because obviously he was at Burnley last season, Nathan Teller. I actually saw him live when they played Wigan, actually, last season. and He looks a player too. I'm interested to see if he can tear it up in the Bundesliga. And Wow, Leverkusen. I was just so happy they got a point at the end, because to me, it... You know, I think it was, a draw was a fair result, but I think Leverkusen edged it, even though the XG said that Bayern actually had more chances. But probably the only criticism you could give Leverkusen is that they do do a few stupid errors at the back still. That's probably yeah. the only... It's not like a massive criticism because they have under Jabby Alonso, that's become less and less. But there was still a couple where they gave the ball away in really bad positions in the second half. And that's probably why the XG ended up quite high for Bayern in the end. But... I just thought that both teams were good, but for me, Leverkusen were just amazing, really, the way they played football. Yeah. Who was it, Tapsober or Cousin? Yeah. Uh, he was Tapsober. He made a great recovery yeah. tackle in the end, I think, yeah, but it was it still, it would have been a really poor goal. And I even think the Kane goal, to be honest, you, you don't want to be, it was a bit of a soft goal to concede in truth. Well, yeah. Although the, the winner for Bayern was a beautiful goal, like Matthias yeah. Tell. Like, well, I say the winner, sorry, what looked like it was the winner at the time. Like, Matthias Tell, who's been brilliant since getting that abuse in the Super Cup, uh, he was superb. And Goretzka, you know, probably with his biggest moment in over a year for Bayern, seemingly giving them the win. But Leverkusen showing the bottle as well to get the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Goretzka, who was still on the pitch, um, however, his midfield partner. Joshua Kimmich was not Peter, and um, yeah, there was much much debate about that substitution uh, during the match. And obviously, you saw Kimmich flying onto the pitch to celebrate with Goretzka at, at the two-one point. But um, can we read much into that? Uh, I'm sure Thomas Tuchel had his reasonings, but I'm sure on the other side, the player wasn't also best pleased. Yeah, well, there's a lot of talk about that going on in German footballing circles. Um, you know, I, I would say that the initial deployment of Konrad Leimer as a right back in this fixture was extraordinarily successful. He was an absolute mm. beast. Uh, and he was also very, very important when he moved into midfield. Um, there is uh, an interview in today's kicker in which Michael Balak claims that uh, Kimmich is only world-class as a right-back, as if we don't have enough problems to deal with <laughs> in German uh, footballing circles. But, you know, the story of Kimmich, he's always had this chip on his shoulder. He didn't like being compared to Philipp Lahm. Uh, you know, he, he didn't like being a, a right-back who moved into midfield. He always he, he, he wants to shift and evolve and grow in his career. And a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this Kimish Goretzka partnership and how both players want to evolve and grow in, in, into different players. And that's why they don't play so well together anymore. But they still are best friends, um, as you mentioned. So Tuchel has some very, very careful ego managing to do now uh, with Kim. I mean, the good news is, of course, as Mark mentioned, that Goretzka did score his first Bundesliga goal since November of 2022. So it's almost been a year for him. Uh, although Tell really deserves all of the credit for doing that, and and uh, and Kosen, who's uh, uh, marking on that one, was was particularly uh, uh, weak as well. Well, I, I I could go off on several tangents here. I mean, I, I know that we're pressed for time. It, it was a fabulous football match. I too watched it with my father. Um, what I told him to do was keep an eye on Granit Xhaka, and tell me you're not impressed with the way that he runs the midfield, and he 
took a look and he was just like, wow, he is, the, that is, the, that is the best player. He's probably, I mean, look, I will I will not the Bundesliga is the best league in the world. But when I look at somebody like Grand Jacques, I'm like, he's too good for this league. I mean, he's just too good for this league. <laughs> he 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 really is. And uh yeah, I mean that's something that could definitely bring Leverkusen the title. And it is a ridiculously deep squad. I mean, they've got Tella, they've got Stanisic uh at right back if they need him. And they have I was mentioning, I held up the Elfreunde a couple of weeks ago that said that, uh, you know, Germans consider Chabi to be the best trainer in the league. Balam is asking, what is his cooking exactly? Uh, you, you might want to throw that up there so we can answer at least one question. He is tactically, I mean, it is so intricate to watch how Leverkusen play. Uh, he will shift formations three, four times in a match. It's actually, I mean... That's Spanish football for you. I mean, what's the secret of, of tiki-taka? It's making sure that, you know, you have a flexible uh, back three, back four that switches on and off the ball. And um, perhaps, you know, maybe one one of these days, uh, if people are interested, you know, I'll draw it up on the board and do like an individual thing of, of how uh, uh, Chavi's Leverkusen's tactics work. So that's something it would take me a very, very long time to explain. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's incredibly intricate how he has these guys. I mean, it's it's wow. He is, uh, you know, if Tuchel can't hack it at Bayern, Chabi's going to take that job and he's going to take the title with Bayern. I think he wins the title one way or the other uh, this season. <laughs> whispers already. There are whispers already on there. Well, it's more than whispers. There's outright statements basically saying that Xabi Alonso will manage Bayern as and when they see fit, uh, basically. Uh, but less of that, you know, we'll come to that as and when. Great game, really entertaining. Um, right, I'll just fly through best of the rest uh, and then we'll finish off with a bit of Peter's kiosk club. Um, just so, yeah, best of the rest. Uh, obviously, RB Leipzig go marching on, strong at home, expected, very good, uh, solid 3-0 victory. Javi Simmons uh, just turning into the baller that we all thought he would be. Um, excellent performance from him. Uh, kind of tossing up in my head when he first signed he and Fabio Carvalho from Liverpool, who would maybe be the, the star, but well, it's quite clear, isn't it? Um, moving on, uh, you know, obviously an excellent uh, home win for Wolfsburg over Union, who was signed to stutter. Somewhat, uh, Jonas Vind getting on the goal scoring sheet again. Another uh, very cool and calm finish from him, uh, enabling his side to another uh, victory. So really important win for them and, and less so for Union on their travels. Uh, speaking of travels, uh, VFB Stuttgart. Uh, unfortunately, I'm probably going to have to duck out before we get to Peter's Kiosk mm -hmm. Club and headlines because I dare say what some of them might be referring to a certain... Seru Girassi hat trick, um, spectacular, um, you know, player, eight goals, four games. Uh, I can see that the, the Bundesliga English website have now done a feature on him. Who is Seru Girassi? I was kind of alluding to quite cheekily on, um, on X or Twitter saying that basically. I think we all know who he is already. It's just that he's now come to the attention of maybe uh, more casual viewers. Uh, but being in, an interesting read for a casual viewer, uh, the striker who has come in and been spectacular uh, for Stuttgart, uh, getting them over the line, a 3-1 win against um, 
oh my god, who are they playing? Completely lost lost track of who we were playing. Mine. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, um, yeah, they lost track of themselves, so don't feel. Yes, they have. <laughs> they, are, they are they are very much stalling uh, at the wrong end of the pitch. The very much dream start for Stuttgart goes on. Uh, there was obviously a one-one draw played out between Balkum and Frankfurt. Uh, Frankfurt seemingly specialists in the draw so far this season. Um, obviously, still not able to really kickstart their season under Top Muller, um, and yeah, obviously still kind of feeling the reverberations of losing Kolo Mouani and Lindstrom as well from a goal-scoring point of view. And we also saw a very impressive 3-1 win, away win for Hoffenheim. Uh, Kramerich amongst the goal scorers against Köln, who I did tip to win at the weekend. I think most of my tips were actually wrong on Thursday night. I think apart from easily getting Leipzig to beat Augsburg, I think I got three out of four wrong. Um, so, yeah, that is very quick fly-through of, uh, obviously, the rest of the games. Love to cover them in more detail if we had time. But, yeah. Some really big results. Hoffenheim, Wolfsburg starting strongly now. Uh, Stuttgart still hiding inside that top four. Amazing stuff. And Leipzig positioned perfectly for a title run as well. Um, and so on that note, I'll have to duck out at this stage, chaps, or else I will miss my five-a-side football match. So, so I'll make sure I win because I'm leaving the show. Um, <laughs> and gladly hand over to you, Peter, to finish up the show with a bit of Kiosk Club. So uh, please do enjoy and, and uh, I hope Seru Girassi features. I'll be checking out that um, the section when I come back to it and watch it a little bit later on. Okay. Well, um, yes, I, I did save that for you, uh, Rory, specifically for you uh, as well. Um, I thought we might begin with the uh, the Bild am Samstag. Um, the, uh, the headline was uh, Schiri pfeift Bayern die Spitze weg. Um, so basically, uh, the uh, Schiedsrichter, the referee, has uh, uh, he whistled Bayern first place in the table away. Bayern, of course, uh, are not first place in the table, courtesy of the Leverkusen draw. That's what they went with. Uh, when it came time for the build on Sonntag, we have uh, Alter, wie geil, <laughs> which literally <laughs> translates to, here we have Mats Hummels and, uh, and Marco Royce. <clears throat> nice job, old fogies. Uh, that's uh, their <laughs> as well. Um, I saved uh, Stuttgart. Um, I saved this one uh, for Rory. This is Serhu Garassi. Uh, erst fast weg, jetzt voll da. He almost left Stuttgart, of course, this offseason, as we all know. And now uh, he's here. So uh, erst fast weg, he was almost gone, but now he's really here. Important to note that Serhu Garassi is actually um, <clears throat> on pace. He's ahead of Robert Lewandowski in all of his goal-scoring seasons wow. uh, uh, already with eight tallies through four rounds. Not even Lewandowski could manage that. Um, the kicker uh, today led with uh, Michael Balak. Uh, there's a big interview here. It's uh, Balak's Tazen. Uh, I mentioned uh, what he said about Joshua Kimmich. He also endorsed Louis van Gaal to be the next uh, Bundes trainer. That would be the first non-German Bundes trainer that we've ever had here in the Bundesrepublik, but that's how desperate times are getting. Uh, and I wanted to uh, say that the new copy of Elf Freunde has come out and Robin Gosens made the cover. Uh, I wish he was mocked up like Robin Hood he was there. Mark... I wish you were here too, because you know what I would be doing. I would be giving you the Sonderhefte, 
I got uh, both. I got them both. I got kicker. I got sport builds uh, to get everybody ready for the Champions League. Um, just sending a big uh, warm thoughts to football fans out there everywhere as we prepare to get set for what should be an excellent Champions League campaign. I'll be rooting for the German sides, but it's the Euro comp- European competitions in which we really get to meet interesting people from other countries. So we'll uh, be watching as many of those as we can. Yeah, it's unbelievable that Union Berlin will kick off their Champions League campaign this week. It's just incredible. I can't believe I'm saying it, really, but it's such an amazing thing, isn't it? It's uh, Yeah, so good luck to all four Bundesliga teams competing in the Champions League. Obviously, Europa League teams as well in there as well, and also, obviously, Conference League. So, yeah, big weekend for German teams. Obviously, this year is actually even bigger as well for the teams because the two best-performing uh like confederations, so to speak, will actually get an extra place in the Champions League this season. I don't know if you're aware of that, Peter, but say like, uh, I don't know, England and Germany get the most points this year. There'll actually be five places available in the Champions League in either of those leagues. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously it's going to be tough for the Bundesliga to overtake uh, England and Spain, but I, I think it's possible this year. I do believe it's possible, you know, maybe a repeat of Frankfurt winning something and, you know, who knows what's going to happen this season. So, yeah, it's all to come this midweek. And obviously, we've got a lot more for you as well. We've got the prediction show on Thursday night. We've got the fantasy football on Friday. So, it's all coming here on Over the Bar Bundesliga show. But, yeah, if you enjoyed what you saw today, then check out our Twitter page at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. And keep liking and commenting and subscribing, of course. Yeah, we're on to 1,030, I should say. Not quite 1,300 yet. But yeah, we are moving nicely. You know, it was only only seemed a few days ago that we reached 1,000 and we're already on to 1,030. So yeah, keep helping us, guys. Keep advertising us to your friends and we'll keep bringing you hopefully enjoyable content. So yeah, see you again uh, on Thursday, guys. Ciao, ciao.